Greetings once again and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm your host Tim Moore and I'm joined by my co-host Nathan Jones. We are nearing the end of our Jesus in the Old Testament series and there are some important insights yet to be mined from the rest of the Minor Prophets. We've come to a couple of books that not every student of the Bible prophecy is familiar with, Habakkuk and Zephaniah. Sadly, without preaching and teaching on Bible prophecy, many Christians have little exposure to these insightful books, unless they've come across them in, say, a yearly Bible reading plan. But we've talked about these books many times because they offer such insight into God's judgment of Israel and Judah, and because they point to the coming tribulation and the return of Christ. We're delighted to welcome a very special guest to our program today. Coming to us all the way from Cape Town, South Africa, Marco Kiriglou is the Director of Countdown to Christ Ministries, one of the sister ministries Lamb and Lion supports in proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ. Marco, thanks for connecting with us through the miracle of modern technology from halfway around the world. Tim, praise the Lord. It is a great honor to be with you. Well, it's a great honor for us to have you. And before we jump into Habakkuk and Zephaniah, tell our viewers how you came to know the Lord and how you came to launch Countdown to Christ Ministries. Tim, I was born in Turkey to a very secular Muslim family. Right after I completed my military service in the Turkish Army, I met, the, if I can put it that way, the Lord Jesus came into my life. I read the Bible for the first time in my life. I gave my life to him, joined the local congregation. Soon after that, became a pastor, one of the pastors there. And the Lord called me to South Africa to start this ministry. Mm. Eventually, in 2009, I started this ministry with my wife, who is a South African national. Fantastic. You, you have a further testament. I think people will check out uh, our Christ and Prophecy YouTube channel where you explain the journey of being a persecuted Muslim to going to South Africa. But we're going to go back in the past, even farther than your history. We're going to go back to 605 to 630 BC. It's under the reign of the evil King Jehoiakim. And we've got the prophet Habakkuk. And the prophet Habakkuk is seeing all the evil to Jehoi Jehoiakim's uh, government is doing in the world, and the sense of righteousness that's built in him is, is really vexed. And so he has this great lament that he prays, prays out to the Lord. Could you tell us what was that lament? Um, to start with, I find Habakkuk very relevant to us today in South Africa where we live, and because Habakkuk is crying out to the Lord because of the problems of violence, strife, contention, wickedness, lawlessness, perversion in the society. And we find these problems very real today in our lives, where we live as well. And I assume America is not much better than here. Oh, not yeah, at all. Yeah, exactly right. And then we, we kind of have that same cry that uh, Habakkuk had in uh, chapter 1, verse 2. He says, And, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear, even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble for plundering and violence are before me? Uh, brother, when uh, the COVID happened, we saw South Africa descend into chaos here in the United States. It did as well. And we saw all the evil going on and yet it was supported by the media and it was supported by government officials. Uh, so it's interesting to read Habakkuk because it's very much a, a snapshot of what you guys are going through in South Africa and what we are going through in the United States. It is shocking, Tim and Nathan. This morning I was talking to one dear friend, and we find ourselves in the pages of the Bible. 
the the level of corruption, the level of wickedness and evil, and the authorities either being silent about it or being practically involved in it, it is shocking. I find myself in the same shoes as Habakkuk, if I can put it that way. You know, Habakkuk wanted the Lord to give a little wake-up call to his society back in the day, and sometimes we would want the same thing, but the Lord had a different plan, which was shocking to Habakkuk. What, what was the Lord's plan? Well, uh, I think I, one of the books that Dr. David Reagan mentioned in some of his books about this problem, God's remedial judgment, and I think Habakkuk's, God's answer to Habakkuk was pretty much the same thing. The nation has passed the no turning point. And if I look at our societies today, I see the same thing. Our societies have passed the no turning point. And as God said to Habakkuk, God's answer is actually judgment by an even more wicked, even more corrupt society. And I find that we seem to be sitting exactly in the same place. Yeah, we sure do. And it's, it's galling to us to think that we're going to suffer even greater. But I, I think you're right. The Lord's ways are beyond our ways. And Bacchus' response was, how can you judge us by those who are more wicked? And yet today we see in places like Ukraine, where Russia is, is just devastating that nation, where wickedness seems to be devastating urban areas and cities in particular, but really whole nations, whether in South Africa, in the United States, all around the world. This is, this is not a new problem. It's the same kind of thing Habakkuk saw. And uh, Tim, if I can insert here a little bit of a local uh, situation from where we live, uh, our country statistically shows that about 85% of our population is proclaiming to be Christian. But recently, statistics reveal that South Africa is the most crime-ridden country in the world at the moment. Mm. At the moment, every day, nearly 153 women get raped. 60 people per day get killed. More than 300 violent crimes get committed per day, to say the least. And in the middle of this, we cry, Lord, how long? There are people, Lord, how do you allow this? Just like Habakkuk used to say, Lord, have mercy on us. And the Lord's answer is, well, you have seen nothing. Because of the wickedness of this nation, I will give it into the hands of those who are even more wicked. Mm. Who happened in Habakkuk's time to be the Babylonians, right? Eventually the Babylonians became powerful. In 586, they destroyed Judah, which was who uh, the people group that Habakkuk was ministering to. Uh, we're kind of Habakkuk's today as we all minister to our culture and our civilization as prophets, so to speak. We're forth tellers. We're not foretellers. Prophetic well, voices. Prophetic voices, yes, that, that call society to repent and turn back to Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting that, as Tim said, when Habakkuk heard God say, okay, I'm going to deal with this evil by destroying you with the Babylonians, he was kind of shocked, right? He did something really neat. He, he went up into the walls and the ramparts, and he kind of demanded God to give an answer. Could you tell us what God's answer was? Well, um, God's answer was, write this vision so easily readable that even the man who is running fast can read it, as if God was saying, you know, broadcast it in every airwave broadcasted on the internet, broadcasted on the TV, broadcasted on the radio, I am bringing a judgment upon this nation. 
And um, that I find that to be very prophetic. And now thinking back, Dr. Reagan's ministry, uh, Lemon Lions ministry, warning the nation in America, God's judgment is coming. Turn back to God. And we are doing the same thing here. Turn back to God. The only safe place for us in the hands of Jesus. And I tend to think that national redemption or national restoration is maybe now too far gone and it's impossible, but individual individual salvation is still available. Maybe nations will not go back to their golden days in terms of the United States or South Africa or Europe, but each and every individual can still turn to God for personal salvation. Exactly right. I'm, I'm reminded, even as Nathan was talking about us being prophetic voices in this day and age, to forth tell God's truth. You know, Elijah was telling truths to his nation, calling them out for wickedness, and yet he was labeled by the very king of, of that land a troubler of Israel. And he was not a troubler, he was a truth teller. And today, Christians in, in South Africa, here in the United States, are labeled as the troublers because we're calling out the wickedness, but really we're calling people to repent and to put their trust in Jesus Christ. And Habakkuk was faced with a very challenging uh, decision. Would he trust in the Lord God? Would he accept his plan, his judgment? Or would he still uh, stand on those ramparts and, and pout? And Habakkuk came to a very tough faith. Yes, and it is so very true. And today there are many people, they would like us to tell them soothing messages. They would like us to tell them, you know what? It is all right to kill unborn babies because after all, we don't have enough food to feed everybody. It is all right if men become women and women become men. It is all right if churches go down the drain. They would like us to say that. But when we stand up and preach the biblical truth, then we are isolated as troublemakers. Tim, you have said it very rightly. We are finding ourselves exactly in the same position as the prophets of the Bible. It's neat how the prophets, when Habakkuk tried to call, well, how could you punish us with a more evil nation. And God in chapter two says, hey, this is surely going to happen. Nothing's going to change us. Just like today, we know the tribulation is surely going to happen. And it's, it's wonderful to see Habakkuk's faith because he ends the chapter three with verse 19. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. So it seems like as a music, musician, he was doing a prayer as well as a song in chapter three, where even though we knew that the world was going to end as he knew it, he's put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and, or God at the time, and like we can put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you have advice for us today as we are approaching the collapse of Western civilization and we know the tribulation is on the horizon? What should Christians be doing today? Uh, Nathan, uh, you actually have highlighted a very important point. Habakkuk has coined this phrase of, in the last days, the righteous shall live by faith. That is, for the last two years, that has been the most, that has been the worst that I have most frequently preached on and talked about in our context here in South Africa. In the middle of all the calamities, in the middle of the great pandemic of corruption, wickedness, violence, destruction of everything that seemed to be good and beautiful all around us, in the middle of all that, when I stand in front of a group of believers, I, I need to give them hope. 
what hope can I give them? You know, what hope can you give to some people in a world like this? But the hope is exactly what Habakkuk was saying. Yes, when all these things are happening, when God is gradually handing people over to their sinful desires, as it is happening in our world today, the righteous shall be saved. The righteous shall live by faith. And that is God's promise to us. You know, I find right there the gold, uh, the, 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 the blessed hope or the golden promise as, as, as we read in the, in the New Testament, the, the blessed hope is right there in Habakkuk as well. In the middle of all kinds of tribulation, the righteous shall live by faith. Our citizenship is not here, Tim. Uh, and Nathan, you were asking about what would I say? There in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, we read, our citizenship is not of this world. We are citizens of heaven. We belong to Jesus. We are here temporarily. If the governments, society, and the infrastructure in this world are collapsing, that is not our prime concern. Our prime concern is, the, is to serve our eternal Father God. And yes, the Bible says all these calamities are going to fall upon the earth. And this is still nothing. I often say this is just warming up the world for what is coming. Oh, what is coming is so much worse. It really is. And, you know, if we if we get shaken by these early birth pangs of what is coming, then our faith is uh, is fragile indeed. And yet we are we stand on a rock that cannot be shaken. I was reminding my wife the other day because uh, we were talking about living in an earthquake zone. And I said, well, if you will sink your your foundation down to solid rock, your house actually will not tumble because it's built upon the rock. The only houses and buildings that tumble are when they are built on soil that tends to move around. Well, we stand on the rock that cannot be shaken, and therefore our faith is not based on our ability to have faith, but it's based on His solid foundation. And so you're exactly right, Marco. We should not be distracted even as the world goes into chaos, as all the signs that we have talked about for many years come to pass, it should just ground us even further on Jesus Christ. Yes, that is so true. And our and we have a beautiful future, a fascinating, wonderful, amazing future awaiting us in Jesus. He will come one day in the blinking of an eye, take us out of this increasingly darkening world. And after that, a glorious future is waiting for us. And we should be excited about it. We should, we don't have, we have no reason to get into paranoia. We have no reason to get into depression. All the more we should be excited because everything in this world is playing out exactly as they have been prophesied in the Bible. God is in control. Amen. Well, I love Habakkuk. Back when we had the uh, Unshakable Conference, I got to preach on Habakkuk, and then I wrote a whole book uh, along with Pastor Steve Howell on the 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets, and Habakkuk's one of my favorite. But why don't we switch gears if, yes, if you're ready for sure. that? But we got another book we want to cover, and that's the book of Zephaniah. He was also called Sophonias. He was a little earlier than Habakkuk, about uh, 640 B.C. He was under a time of great revival under uh, King Josiah, little young king. Josiah, but uh, his name has a kind of a prophetic meaning. Could you tell us what that is? 
this is a beautiful question, Nathan. Okay. <laughs> his name, I, if I can say, his name embodies the entire theology of the rapture in one word. Okay. Give it to us. All right. His name literally means, despite the impending judgment, despite the impending judgment that is going to befall on all people, the righteous ones will be hidden. They will be redeemed. Amen. The Lord protects or hides and preserves those who are His. It is a beautiful name. Uh, sometimes our names, I think, are a little bit more banal, but in Scripture, especially these prophets, have names that point to the one who preserves and protects, who in wrath remembers mercy. And so Zephaniah is yet another demonstration of God's grace poured out to His people and by extension to those of us who put our faith in Him. But he expands through his understanding of the righteous outpouring of God's wrath that is coming to encompass not just the, the wicked and wayward nation of Israel and Judah, but also the whole earth. And sure enough, we are seeing that coming to pass in our very day, how the whole earth is, is worthy of God's wrath and His judgment. That, yes, that is very true. Sephaniah, like many pro prophetic books, it has double fulfillment. On the one hand, it was the immediate fulfillment of this prophecy right there in those days. And the second, secondly, the second layer of this prophecy is what we are gonna, what we are going through right now and what will happen at the time of rapture and after the rapture. This is a beautiful prophetic book as I, it just summarizes prophetically the build up to the seven year tribulation, the rapture, and God's impending judgment on those who have been shaking their fist against God generations after generations. Mm. Zephaniah uh, chapter 1, verse 14 has this interesting passage that is just a term that you see throughout the Bible. It says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. And it goes on to describe it. It's a day of bitterness where men cry out. It's a day of wrath and trouble, distress, desolation, darkness. And it goes on and on and tells about this horrific, terrible time when God's wrath will be poured out on the earth. Can you tell us what is this day of the Lord that we read about all throughout the prophets? Nathan, there is a, as far as I understand, there is a unanimous agreement among the seasoned, solid Bible students and Bible teachers that the day of the Lord is the day when Jesus comes to take his vengeance, when God comes to take his vengeance from the, against those who have been blaspheming him, shaking their fist against him, launching wars against God, and literally doing everything they can do to this against God, but God has been silent and patient with them. As if, if I can put it in my word, the day of the Lord is the day God pays it back. Mm. God pays them back what they deserve. In other words, it's the, it's, it's, it's the seven year tribulation. Well, you know, the other thing that it makes very clear in Zephaniah uh, is that God is proclaiming judgment, not just on Israel and Judah, not the world, but he also calls out very specifically the, the enemies of Judah in addition to Judah itself. He declares woe on Jerusalem and on the nations who come against her. So God's kind of equal opportunity in his righteous indignation towards wickedness all around the world, but he does call out those who 
who have evil intent toward his people and toward Israel. Yes, uh, that is so true. Anti-Semitism will receive its due response from God. Replacement theology will receive its due response from God. Fulfillment theology will receive its due response. But at the same time, among the Jews, the practice of denying Yeshua, the practice of refusing Yeshua as the king of the Jews, will also receive its due response from God. It is a day God will pay them what they have been craving for, for generations. Mm. As we've been going through this series on Jesus in the Old Testament, we're looking for types of Jesus, uh, symbols, even Christophanies. In both Habakkuk and Zephaniah, we see Jesus coming back as the conquering king to bring wrath. It's clearly it's pointing to the day of the Lord, culminating in the second coming, which is the day of Christ. And I find that fascinating that the, these two books, which were written 2,600 years ago, point to God's final return to bring tribulation. But it's not only about Jesus bringing wrath, it's also about him bringing justice, and it's also about him bringing love. So Marco, could you tell us, how does God bringing justice and wrath also an act of love? Often we have a very wishy-washy culture. This 20 and 21st century culture is so incredibly soap opera, wishy-washy, isolated from logic and reality. Oh. It's so bad that when somebody stand up and talks straightforward to them, they take offense and they say, you are loveless. They make God to be this sugar daddy sitting on this cushiony cloud up there and just looking for someone to give some candy so that they can entertain themselves. God's word is very clear. Either you are for God or you are against God. There are no two ways, there are no third, there's no third way here. There's no middle ground here. Either you acknowledge God and pay him his due respect and stand before him as a faithful servant and a child of God, receive the salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus made it incredibly plain in the scriptures. There is no other way one can come to Father except through Jesus Christ. Either you live by these or you are an enemy of God. There are, there's no third ground here. Now, God also made it incredibly clear to us that if we don't turn to God after all that God has done for us, and if we continue rebelling against him, there is only one one future that is awaiting us. That's the wrath of God. I think for those of us who are going to be raptured one day, the wheat with the tares, so to speak, yes, God does bring justice on those. Uh, we've been crying out for justice, just like in Habakkuk. Lord, how can you let evil stand? And his answer is the tribulation. Evil will be defeated. To me, that's an act of love, because not only does he rescue us or hide us, like Zephaniah's name means, but then protects us by rapturing us, but that's an act of love, too, because he rescues us from his wrath. He judged the world, and this is all the birth pains leading into the millennial kingdom, where Jesus will rule and reign in peace and righteousness and justice. We have to get rid of this old evil system. has to fall away. Yes, it's very true, and uh, also, Nathan, another aspect of the love of God is I am marveled at the patience of God. Look, for 2,000 years, God has been preaching, proclaiming his love through thousands and thousands of missionaries, pastors, and preachers through Lemon Line over four decades, many other ministries over the internet, over the radio waves and TV waves and books and magazines. 
did you know, well, I'm sure you know it, there is no land where Christian missionaries don't go, where there, there is no language where missionaries are not eager to learn and proclaim the gospel. It's all an expression of the love of God for people. And after the rapture happens, God is still going to use 444,000 specially chosen and sealed Jews for that. And then the two witnesses, God is still giving them another chance. And I am fascinated to read in the book of Revelation that towards the middle of the seven-year tribulation, God is even sending the flying angels, flying in the sky and screaming out to the people, turn to God, turn to God. How, the gospel angels. How, how amazing God's love is so persistent. It is so pretty. You make me excited just listening to you talk. You know, Habakkuk made a prayer, which makes me just think God had to shake his head because Habakkuk prayed, in wrath, remember mercy. And I'm reminded that God always remembers mercy. He is merciful. Zephaniah in chapter 3, verse 17, talking about the wrath of God, said, the Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy he will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shout of joy. So even in the wrath that's poured out, he is still speaking of God as this tender bridegroom, almost sounding like Song of Solomon. And as you just declared again, Marco, in the midst of the tribulation, God will still remember mercy because he will still hold out the opportunity for those who put their trust in Jesus Christ to be saved, to have eternal salvation, even as wrath is being poured out in that day of the Lord. Marco, we are so grateful for your voice, which is proclaiming, which is foretelling God's truth. We pray a great blessing on you on Countdown for Christ Ministries, and we hope the next time that you are in the United States, you will join us here on our in our studio for another continuing conversation. Tim, that will be fantastic, and you know, you are great friends and a great blessing to us. Thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate this great time together. Godspeed, Marco. God bless you and all your work. Habakkuk's plea to God still echoes in our hearts today. We'd all like God to send a little wake-up call to the world that ignores him and flaunts its sin to his face. You know, God has sent wake-up calls in the form of his prophets, his word, and prophetic voices even today who have been calling individuals and nations to repentance for many years but time is running out. Peter tells us that God is patient because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to have the opportunity for repentance. That is why he sent Jonah to Nineveh, Habakkuk and Zephaniah to Judah, and Jesus Christ for sinners like Tim and me. For over 42 years, Lamb and Lion Ministries has been proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ. We do not know when he will break from the heavens, but we believe all the signs foretold in Scripture point to the eminence of his coming. Do not delay. Put your trust in Him right now, this day. God's patience will not endure forever. Soon He will gather His church in an event called the rapture and then pour out judgment after judgment upon an unrepentant world. Do not miss this opportunity to be saved from the wrath to come. Please know that we pray every day before every show that hearts will be impacted, souls will be saved, and God will be glorified. That is our prayer today as well. Until next week, look up and be watchful, for Jesus Christ, the Lord who is our strength and our salvation, is drawing near. Yeah.